Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, boss, man. I got this, yeah. What is up, everyone? We're back again. Episode 15. Go follow us on Twitter at AnklePickPod. We always really appreciate the feedback and the support. Also, let us know what you think about our half episodes, the Pick the Spreads that come out every Monday, I believe, because our editor works overtime. Um, That's where Danny and I, the two experts, get on and guess the spreads and kind of figure out where the line's going. Don't worry. It's the one episode a week where you can dive in and you don't have to hear Shiner's voice. So, ankle block of the week. We're now two and zero oh on this bad boy. Danny and I sat down. We talked. We came with Edson Barbosa. If you rode Edson Barbosa with us, your pockets are a little bit heavier this weekend. Let's go. We're gonna keep that trend continuing. So stay tuned till near the end. We have I mean, at no point in that fight did he look like he was gonna lose. Let's no, keep it trucking. No, we're two and zero, oh, baby. Both were. Flawless. Uh, Speaking of undefeated. Go ahead. I know exactly what you're about to say. I think that as the pod, for the first time in in our posted picks history, we had a little bit of a sweep. Yep, yep. It was nice. Danny and I both, nothing but green last week. We're definitely feeling happy coming into this week. A lot and oh. Um, A lot and oh, yeah. A lot lot of units. Let's put it this way. I was in the red. I think I'm at even. Which was bullshit. Green feels good. You didn't follow me. Hot month of July. I steamed off, but we're headed back in the right direction. So we should be good to go. Parker Rios is now. We now have a full panel, everybody. Parker just joined in. So we're in good shape there. So we're going to recap the prelims quick. Um, Not too much to talk about last week. It was a decent card. Um, One thing that we we did want to talk about was Giga's upset win over Omar Morales. Put on a striking clinic. Gave Omar Morales his first loss in his MMA career. That's always great to see. Tony Kelly, uh, a, a bet that both myself and Danny rode, we were debating on it for lock of the week. He was minus 200, but he also, it was a closer decision than I would have liked, but he did sneak out the win. And then the thing that everyone's talking about, Buckley's vicious spinning 360 off a caught kick knockout to the face that got the whole MMA Twitter world going nuts. So I do want to hear your guys' opinion on that. Uh, were you guys watching that live? I know Dan oh, yeah. was for sure. Yeah. I don't – I mean, I, I, it was awesome. Absolutely terrific taekwondo. I don't really want to get too into it. I know that yeah. Scott Van Pelt kind of had a problem with it being so brutal. But for me, it was it was super awesome. One of the top three, top five KOs in modern yeah, UFC on. history. Scott Van Pelt said it was too bad. It was too violent. Really? You know, the issue, that, the issue that SVP had on it as a up-and-coming fan in the sport – uh, Ariel Hawani was saying that SVP is the ESPN anchor overall, who is incredibly uh, into and passionate about MMA and learning about MMA. His issue was the head snapping off the canvas after the knockout rather than the kick itself. But he did give Buckley all the credit in the world. He's just an up and coming kind of traditional sports anchor. Yet, as Ariel Hawani said, he's a completely passionate uh, fan of the sport and an up and coming fan of the sport as well. Seems like a weird issue to have, but I like SVP. 
What for me, I, I, I kind of agreed with him. In terms of what got me into the sport, it was the awesome footwork, complex submissions and setups. And I do think that those should kind of be more used as marketing than the brutal stuff because that does scare people away. But I don't really want to get into an argument. Moral of the story is our panel loved it. SVP, new into the sport. But if you, did, if you somehow had stayed off social media and you haven't seen it yet, it's definitely worth looking at for sure. Okay, and that's pretty much it for the for the prelims. Dawkins got a quick KO. Just showed that he's pretty fast for heavyweight, but it, it's nothing to write home about. And then Tom Breeze looked good as well, and I'm excited to see where he goes from here, stopping KB Bilar in his tracks, who is supposedly a top prospect. So moving on to the main card, I had Yusuf Salal as a heavy favorite. Danny, you were all over this. So so not so much in the last episode. That's why some of you listeners might be confused. But the day after, literally, I finished my taping for Ilya, and I could not have become more of a fan of this guy. He has such crisp boxing. He has unbelievable takedown setups, and he's so tough on the ground. He's like a wet blanket, and he showed it. The only, the only trouble I saw was he kind of gassed in the third, which made me a little worrisome. It seemed like every time he put himself in a quasi-negative pos- position, whether it was exposing his neck for a second, he was using it to pass. And so it was almost trickery in that. And Ilya Teporia looks like a real, real factor in this division. Yeah, and the other thing that I do want to make of note is that not only for the gas take and, and how Yusuf Salal's game plan can deplete that because of how quick and fast he is and how in and out he goes and how tough he is to stay down, the other thing is that Yusuf Salal is no slouch. That This was a very impressive win to me, especially making your UFC debut. So Danny was messaging me after we taped and a little bit later into the week after he taped, and he had a busy day, and he goes, you know, my one bet that's, that is my, not necessarily lock of the week, but the thing I'm hammering is Teporia. He was all over it. He saw it, and it was nice to see that play out well. So Dan, props to you. I rode with you. Worked out well. So he's a guy that's someone you want to keep your eye on for sure. Okay, so Tom Aspinall. I mean, this is one that I was touting. The line got way too high. I bet it around minus 300. Got all the way up to minus 800, so it's actually untouchable. Tom Aspinall is a guy for a heavyweight. He was disappointed in this performance, and he did a round one, one minute and 35 second in KO. So, again, his, op- his opponent wasn't much, but he's someone to look out for in the heavyweight division. He's, he's a great striker, and he, he – stopped him fast so another one I got wrong on the pick your spread was I had Marcus Perez I thought that his UFC experience being a six fight in the UFC would play the factor but another newcomer Dreykus Duplessis round one KO TKO set the stage Shiner um Duplessis looked amazing I mean he looked huge for a middleweight especially against Perez who uh as we all know from the uh, weigh-ins and then the face-offs, he goes with the full Joker makeup in order to kind of rattle his opponents. But Duplessis looks legit. I mean, he's a total athlete, 6'3", 6'4", jacked out of his mind. And he was able to come forward and knock out Perez in the first round. Great fight. Definitely looking forward to seeing where he goes from here. Yeah, out of the two, even though Taporia went to decision and Duplessis stomped him in, in round one, I, I was more impressed with Ilya's performance granted I got to see more of him but Duplessis I was worried about for a second and then he got that one for me it's just that Yusuf is a lot better of a competitor than Marcus that as well that as well so you sometimes yeah I I agree so that both but both those guys if either you miss this card which I doubt if you're listening to this you're missing any cards 
But these are guys that definitely keep in, keep a lookout for as they rise the ranks. There definitely will be some betting value there. Also, on the one in one million chance that Marcus Perez is listening to this, he really needs to ditch that Joker mango because how do you go in like that and then lose? That's such a tough look. That's that's tough. That's tough. So Tybura, a slow decision with Ben Rothwell. I, I didn't fall asleep during this, but I could have. So I don't even – no one really played this either on the pod. It's not a big deal. It was very funny when he threw a head kick and just fell on his fell on his butt. It was funny, but it was also just a head shaker for sure. That was a – I'm going to go shotgun a beer real quick. Not going to miss much. So let's get into the ankle pick lock of the week from last week. Me and Danny were all over Edson Barbosa. His Stylistically, this was a great fight for Edson, and it proved to be that way. Mach wanted a tough time getting it to the ground. When he did, Edson was quick to his feet. It always seemed to be at the end of rounds where Maquan started to gain any sort of momentum as far as taking him to the ground and holding him there. So Maquan, obviously a guy that I really like, but Edson stylistically was the play here. So Danny, hats off to you as well. Uh, we came together on that one, and it, it proved to pay dividends. And lastly, one that Danny and I both got right on Guess the Spread, Corey Sandhagen versus Marlon Marais. That one ended in a shocking fashion, though. I thought that Corey Sandhagen was going to use his distance and grind out Marlon Marais and walk Marlon Marais fade over the rounds. No, sir. Spinning wheel kick to the temple. I mean, Corey just seemed to be faster than him the entire time. His combos were unbelievable. They were so crisp and so accurate. This was this was an awesome job by Elevation Fight Team. And you saw when Corey got his hand raised, he raised the hand of all of his coaches and he knew yeah. the effort that they put in and changing him and building him into the fighter he was. And that was an unbelievable, unbelievable performance. And one interesting point about Marlon, we came into this fight discussing whether or not his gas tank would last a five-round fight that we thought maybe could go to later rounds. It seemed as if he was a little bit foot off the gas to start the fight. Uh, didn't really come with that, that hectic pressure that he brought against Cejudo as well as against uh, Jose Aldo. But yeah, I mean, for Corey... He's probably the number two, I would say, right now behind what we will talk about in a second. I'm excited for Sandhagen. He's got the athleticism. He's got the moxie. He's got the poise. Excited to see where he goes and when he's able to fight for that belt. Absolute yeah, that class Al- act. Yeah, that Aljo submission loss, which, he also, which also turned into him saying Aljo deserves the next shot, and then 24 hours later, we found out that he got it. I think that was actually better for his career because not only did he learn from that, a ton from that, but going into this, that was the big question mark. Oh, Corey got finished in a minute by Aljo. Marais beat Aljo in a minute. You know what I mean? How is that going to affect this fight if, if Marlon finished the guy who finished him? Turns out it doesn't really play a factor. The other thing that bothers me that, that always comes to fight when a guy like Marlon fights is people are always like, well, why doesn't he fix his gas tank? The thing is, is it comes down to simple science. When you're a guy like that who is that lean, your, your body, fat stores oxygen, oxygen goes to the muscles, you, when you're that lean, your, ox, your muscles just cannot get enough oxygen. And so put on, put on top of that cutting weight. So I want to put that myth to bed. We'll move on in a second. But the one thing I want to ask you guys, and I genuinely want your opinion on, where does Marlon go from here? Because we all agree that Corey either has one more fight and then we'll get his chance at Jan, which I think he'll take. He's a gamer. Or he just fights Jan right after Aljo. But where does, where does a guy like Marlon go? So a couple names that I think would be interesting. I know Corey Sandhagen uh, called out Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz. I think knowing that he's got some time to wait on the title fight um, to, to happen and go through, he was looking for a name to really put on his resume as well. He might as but well call Uriah Faber. He might as well call Uriah Faber. Let's go. Uh, let's go. More. I mean, 
Dom Dom Cruz was in a title fight like six months no, ago. No, I, so. I was gonna say Dom Cruz isn't bad, but even still, you slit his throat and dust would come out. He's old as shit for this. But fight. yeah, but back to Morais. A couple names that I like. I think a fight with Cody Garbrandt would be really interesting. Both uh, very powerful, quick fighters. Both big names in the division. I think would be very good. And then for like a little that. bit of an under the radar look would be a Pedro Munoz. I'm I'm with so, you. On both I mean, those. yeah. Cody just moved down in weight, and that doesn't work in my eyes. I would love to see him do Munoz or rematch versus Aldo. I know that the entire MMA community was split on that decision, even Dana White. Yeah. I would love to see them go at it again. And the other thing, too, is something like that, that move, which comes down to a lot of dieting and cutting weight. Like, It's not like Cody Garbrandt is incapable of going to 35 on short notice. You know, He, he probably is still walking around at 140. You know? Yeah, I'm not he, skeptical, on, uh, skeptical about him at flyweight, no doubt, though. I agree, but bantamweight's a little tied up because Aljo obviously gets the next shot. Corey probably doesn't want to take another fight in, unless it's one of those guys who, who's a little older. And then you look at a guy like Frankie. No one wants Frankie stepping in there with Marlon or Corey. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's a veteran of the sport, but it's just his time has passed. So I agree, uh, Shiner. I think that Garbrandt and Munoz would be the two decisions for him. Or you could just totally fuck him and throw Marab at him, which would just be hilarious. Uh, but I, I don't think they do that. So, okay, we wanted to keep that one short. As always, we went a little long, but that's just because we're literally so passionate about this sport, and we're happy you guys share the same passion that we do. So there's only two things, not a big news week. Last week was crazy with the Bellator news, but this week we have that Sterling and Jan officially announced to co-headline UFC 256 in December. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. The main event is going to be Megan Anderson and Amanda Nunez in her latest mauling. Yeah, that's going to be lock that in. Get, do you know what I want everyone on this podcast to do? I want you to go to your nearest book and start an open parlay. And I want you to leave as many slots open as they allow you to leave open. And what I want you to do is we're just going to add Amanda Nunez, Valentina Shevchenko. Amanda Nunez, Valentina Shevchenko. We're just going to continue on with that every single fight, and you'll cash in guaranteed because they're just sending lambs to slaughter. Megan Anderson is no different. But all I have to say about the Sterling Yan is about time. Well, I don't know what they were waiting for on announcing this one. I mean, Sterling should have got the shot before Aldo. But okay, you want to pay that guy respect. But we're just going to sit here and pretend like this wasn't the only option for them to go next. Yeah, what I don't get also is that it wasn't like Aljo either won by a split decision to become the number one contender or win in a weird fashion. I mean, he had a first round jump on the back, door of the explorer, backpack submission in that one um i'm a huge aljo guy i think he not only is a great fighter but he also has a personality and the moxie to kind of go into the uh more mainstream fandom of mma but this is gonna be an awesome fight i mean jan is i think he's still beatable but curious to see how aljo goes in the biggest fight of his life yeah i agree with you 100 percent. so it's about time it'll be an exciting one and i know we're all excited to tune into that one the last one, the guy, no matter where he is in this world, always seems to find his way into the news radar. Conor McGregor said he's down to fight Dustin Poirier. January 23rd. Is that an exhibition or is that a UFC? It's, it's supposedly UFC sh- sanctioned. What was interesting about what Dana was saying is he wouldn't confirm that it's a pay-per-view. For me, you're not going to have Conor in a non-pay-per-view event. Unless he ESPN was giving them $50 million for him to fight. I mean, Conor came out and said he wants to fight at Cowboy Stadium. He might have an uh, ankle-pick-pod reunion at Cowboy Stadium if they allow fans for that one. Dustin, Conor, two great names, great fighters. Both guys in a really good point in their careers, too. Dustin on his way up since the Khabib fight. 
Um, yeah, I'm pumped. I would love to see that. And if I could, I would be in, ten- in attendance for that one. And we are back for the pronunciation of the week. So before we get to the sponsor, the fight in which the pronunciation will take place is the prelim main event. Um, and the reason why I'm picking this sponsor is the opponent of our pronunciation of the week. Sponsored by Highland Park, Illinois' greatest, Matush Skriznieki. Matush Gamrot in the lightweight division will be facing Parker. Gram. Fuck. Kate Ladazi. Here's the problem. Does anyone actually know how to say this? Yeah, you, you tell me for sure that's his name. I get, I get to try it. I get to try it. Guram Kuta. Guram Kuta Teladze. Kuta Teladze. I'm no Guram mathematician, but I think Kobe's the closest. I agree to that, just by the fluidity. Yep. So pronunciation of the week, hilarious as always. That one's tough, and don't quote any of us on our pronunciations. If you had to put a bet on it, Kobe's probably right, but Parker's probably also wrong. So that's fine. If they said different things, we're in good shape. Featured prelims, pretty decent one. The main event is where all the bread and butter is. There's a couple prelims we wanted to talk about. Danny, I know you want to talk about Jamie Malarkey. Yeah, real quick, I just want to warn everyone, Saeed Nurmagomedov, he's not Khabib's brother. This line is way too high because of his last name. Just be careful. I don't know a lot about this Mark Striegel guy. Just be careful. But, yes, I do want to talk about Jamie Malarkey versus uh, Faraz Zayaham. That one's definitely butchered. This one stylistically, I think, favors Malarkey. Zayam is a long guy who likes to counterpunch but will allow himself to get backed up to the fence pretty easily. And Jamie Malarkey's a brawler. Jamie Malarkey loves to throw hands. He's got heavy hands, and he's got pretty crisp striking. He's also more well-rounded. I think he's going to exhibit some dirty boxing here on the cage and just absolutely dominate here at minus 140 right now. I like Jamie Malarkey a lot. Yeah, we we talked about him potentially for the ankle pick lock of the week. We were going back and forth. We just want to give you guys the absolute best, but Danny most likely – Go follow him on DK Capper MMA. He'll probably be riding that bad boy. So, main event time. Kobe, I'm sure you have everything queued up knowing you. I do. Last week, we had a pretty good showing. I mean, I know that we, we swept the board as a pod as far as our actual bets went. And uh, with six fights on the main card, we had myself, Danny, and Parker all finished with 13 main event challenge points. Max had eight. Reese had seven. That brings our season-long standings. It's real tight between two and five. Danny's in second with 101, Reese 100, Max 99, Parker 91, and I'm just stretched my lead up there with 122. I fell in the ranks. You hate to see that. I'm I, coming. I just, it looks worse than it is, but as long as I'm not in Parker territory, I don't even really care. So we're going to start. We're going to pick the order here to try to make it as fair as possible. Danny's going first because he usually cheats off me. Shiner, you're going second because I want you to get screwed. I'll go third. Kiko to guy, your fourth. Kobe, aggregate as always. So, Danny, start us off. So, I favored Almeida in the set the spread episode. He had a lot of hype going into that Cody knockout that he suffered, and since then has kind of been less than what I thought. But he, in my opinion, he should be athletic enough to get this one done. Martinez likes to kind of use his range and his speed advantage and his kicks. I don't see him being able to get those across <laughs> – 
I think Almeida is too athletic for him. I'm going Almeida by decision here. I like that. Safe bet. Almeida's, for everyone knowing, just to make it a fair playing field, I mean, I know we can all look it up, but for the listeners as well, making your picks at home, Almeida's minus 135, and Jonathan Martinez is plus 115. So this is a close one. Shiner. Yeah, I'm also going with Almeida in this one. I'm going by knockout. Um, I think just the level of opponents he's faced compared to Martinez. Um, in terms of reach, height, um, these guys are very, very similar. This could be a good fight. I mean, under two and a half rounds and minus 125 right now on uh, five dimes. So looking to see this one uh, potentially finish early. I got Almeida by strike. Okay, two for two on Almeida. So I want to preface mine. The MMA knowledge in me from watching watching both these guys fight for some time, looking at their resume on who they fought, all goes out the window on this one because that all tells me Almeida. But I've been gambling longer than I've been an MMA fan. I've been an MMA fan before I had hair in my nose. So that just shows you how long I've been gambling. And the gambler in me tells me that this line doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. I had Almeida and guess the spread it a lot higher. It was lower than I initially expected. And then not only that, it's dropped even farther. And when I see that type of line movement on a fight that I don't think should be that close, there's usually something I'm missing. And there's usually someone who is laying pretty sizable money on the other side. With that being said, I'm going to listen to the gambler in me, not the fight analyst to me. I'm going to pick Jonathan Martinez. I can't tell you why due to the logic that I just drew out. And I think I'm going to do it by decision. I mean, based on recent results, it's hard to bet against Trevor Whitman in that elevation fight team. Martinez looks like he's from an unbelievable camp that's absolutely putting MMA on its head. Great pick. Thank you. I'll take it. I, I, there's something there. Parker, what are you thinking? Um, I am going to do what I did last week and was follow the guy who is fucking leading all you fools. So every pick, Fair. I'm going to be following Kobe. Okay. Parker, will give you the opportunity to change if for whatever reason. Not I won't be changing. Parker and I are on Almeida by strikes. Almeida by strikes. Wow. Oh, boy, everyone go vomit. That's terrible. But the point is, I just got a plus 115 on an island. I'll take those all day long. So moving along, Danny, this is going to be a short one since Parker's tailing Kobe and Kobe doesn't know anything. So this is perfect for us to pick up some points, gentlemen. Let's get after it. Next fight on the main card is Claudio Silvia versus James Krause. And this is going to bring a quick – this is actually ding, ding, the ding, 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 ding. of the week. Ding, ding, and ding, ring a bell. And I got together and we were back and forth on, on a couple of fights. This fight didn't give us a ton. This fight got given us a ton because of how extreme a lot of the lines are. So this week we actually got sponsored for our ankle pick lock of the week. And this sponsor might surprise you. It's actually Tony El Kakui Ferguson himself. And you might ask yourself, how much is Tony paying you to sponsor this podcast and gain fans? Absolutely nothing. He threatened to ankle pick me and I gave it to him. Tony Ferguson, this one's for you. Ankle pick lock of the week. We think Claudio, he's first off, he's at right now, he's at a plus 145 line. He opened at plus 170, so the line's moving down. But Danny and I were just talking, and Claudio has the skill set. Not only that, but he really should be 14 0. His first loss was a DQ in his first fight ever. So, Danny, 
we talked about this for a while, almost 30 minutes trying to pick this. Yeah, I mean, to get into James Krause, he's, he's trying to become the big badass of taking fights on short notice. I know he did in Houston at, I think it was 246, or that could be completely off there. But this is a, not a fight he should be taking on short notice. Claudio Silva is so well-rounded. And I know that Krause is a, is a gamer. He's a baller. But this is not a matchup for him. They're both great on the ground. I actually want to give the edge to Claudio. Um, and Claudio's not afraid of getting into a Muay Thai battle with him. He's got some crisp, like, hands, and he's great with his kicks, and he's great with his switch kick, specifically. I, I love Claudio here, yeah. the 38-year-old underdog. And, and so this is actually also the first ankle pick lock of the week who's an underdog. So the lines were all so high. So we were really picking from a small subsect of lines where you could find value in that under 200 range. And we settled on a underdog here, which might surprise a lot of you, but we think there's definitely a lot of value there. And so we're really excited for this one, and we're excited to extend this ankle pick lock of the week to the dirty 3-0, and and we're going to continue taking this all the way to the top. I don't think I said my method yet. Is I think that Silva's going to submit him. So with that, we're going to get back to the main event challenge, and a lot of people are able to cheat. So I did not know the ankle lock of the week at all. Reese and Danny kept this away from me the entire week. My pick comes down to one of my guys, and one of my guys is Leon Edwards. Claudio Silva took out Leon Edwards about six years ago now. The only other notable name since he went pro in terms of the, the recent career of Leon Edwards who's taken him down is Kamara Usman. I respect Kamara Usman. With that being said, I'm riding with the boys, Claudio Silva, and I'm going to go by submission in this one. I know James Krause is a BJJ instructor in Kansas City, and he's got a lot of clout in the BJJ game, but I don't think he's ready for what Silva can bring for him. I got him by submission. And I'm not going to do it by submission because I actually, again, I know Krause, he is a BJJ instructor, and I actually hold a lot of respect for him. So I'm actually just going to go by decision there on, on that one. I think that if it goes in the ground, so we'll get the better of the exchanges. I think on the feet, me and Danny were taping him for a while, and we were talking about how good he is at, at staying, getting in and out of the pocket, getting away from counter punches, and his striking's a lot better than you think. That he's a bit of a puzzle. He's an, he's an unorthodox striker and grappler. He's an interesting type of, of fighter, and we saw a lot of Muay Thai styles in his striking as well. So I, I'm going to go with decision here. I think that he's going to get the better of the exchanges wherever the fight goes, and he'll add them on the cards. Uh, Kobe, go ahead. There's a reason why I'm part of this podcast, and it is to aggregate. It's to, to hear y'all's points, and, and who am I to go against that? I don't want to be foolish. Parker and I are going to ride Silva. We're going to ride him by decision. Now, hold on. Parker, this could be a great shot to take a favorite to pick up points just nope. as game strategy. Nope. I'm just saying, as game strategy. I appreciate, appreciate your game strategy, but uh, the guy who's leading this league, I'm going to stick with him again. Okay, fine. So we need to make this punishment very severe, but that's not here nor there. That's fine. So we're down to Jimmy Crute versus Modestas Bukakis. Modestas Bukowskis. Bukaki. Okay, cool. So leading off, Shiner, go ahead. Jimmy Crute by submission. Bukowskis has been a, uh, an active fighter during the quarantine in the new UFC. Uh, but I'm going Crute. He's an up-and-coming prospect. He's 26 years old. 
uh, the American-born kid, and I like him by submission in this one. Yeah, I think that's a great pick, Shiner. I'm right with you on Jimmy Crute. Uh, he's going to push forward. He's going to be the aggressor, and he's going to embrace a brawl here. He's a really fun fighter to watch. I think he's much more well-rounded than Modestus, and I think – I mean, obviously, I give Modestus a puncher's chance, but I'm going to go Crute by decision. I, I love that sub pick because of how well-rounded he is. But I think I'm just going to stick with a boring principle here and ride the decision. You're riding the decision. Okay, that's also a good pick. So Jimmy Crude actually opened at a minus 180. Shocking, because the line currently sits at minus 346. It was an instant drop. So some sharp through a ginormous wager day of. The line literally opened on the second. And by the – by two – or. Six hours later, it went from 180 to 320. So a lot of action on Crute early, and I'm following that action. I'm also going Crute. However, I'm going to differ from all from both you guys, and I'm going to go by KOTKO. I think the submission is what's expected, and I, I actually think that what Danny said is the most relevant, is that he's so well-rounded that although he has a puncher's chance, I think Crute can finish this anywhere. I'm excited to see how he does it. I'm going to go on KOTKO. I'll ride the sharps. Crute strikes. You hear that? He said sharps and then followed with my strikes. Just leaving that in as a little footnote. Parker's also riding with Kobe as he has been for the for the remainder of the night. Okay, moving in. And this one I know Danny's excited for. This one was a potential lock of the week for myself. And there's a little bit of a disagreement, so this one's exciting. We got Caitlin Jukakian versus Jessica Andraj in the co-main event. A women's fight that I'm genuinely excited for. Jessica Andrade is moving up to flyweight. Caitlin Jukakian recently uh, contended for the title. So this one's actually a really high-quality fight, and I'm excited for this one. Shiner, I know I fucked up by putting you first, but I'm kind of into it now, so go ahead. Yeah, so I think this fight's going to be fight of the night. I know the main event is going to be absolutely electric, but every single time that Jessica Andrade gets in the cage – it's going to be fireworks. Um, I'm a huge Rose and I'm a Eunice fan, and both fights had me biting my nails down to the last bit. Um, Andrade is scary. She's a small, powerful, ferocious fighter. But one thing that's interesting about this fight is that she is actually fighting up a weight class. And as I pull up the stats on the um, height and reach advantage that Caitlin Chukagian is going to have, it's definitely bigger than even what we saw with the Rose fight. Um, Chukagian, if you give me one second, Chukagian's coming in at 5'8". Jessica Andrade is going to be 5'1". A 7-inch reach advantage. There's a 6-inch reach advantage as well um, in terms of Chukagian having a reach advantage. But I definitely see this fight um, going a little bit longer than we think. I think Andrade is going to try and get it inside, but with having 7 inches of height and 6 inches of reach advantage, I think Chukagian's going to be able to stay on the outside and really just make this into a Muay Thai fight. With that being said, I'm still going to go with Andrade by decision. I think she is so ferocious when she gets inside. She's able to throw massive punches. We saw it even in the Rose fight. Rose, in the, in the latest Rose fight, the first one, obviously, she took down by KO. Um, first two rounds, looks like Rose is going to run away with it. And Rose, I believe, is probably the most technical female fighter that we have on the roster, maybe besides Valentina Shevchenko um, right now. But Andrade was still able to bring it to her in the third round. I'm going Andrade by decision. like to hear that. Dan, I know you – that was music to your ears. What are you thinking? 
Yeah, that was. I, I feel like I'm going to be on an island here, and I love it. During the Set the Spread episode, I knew that the books were going to favor Andrade here. She kind of <coughs> has more name value. But I'm, I I love Chukagian here. Max mentioned that Andrade is going up in weight. If you look at Andrade's record, she has trouble with people who have a kickboxing skill set, which is what Chukagian is a master in. I see Chukagian outpointing her. I see her setting a, like, enter, strike, exit, pivot, reset, enter, strike, exit, pivot, reset, enter, strike, exit, pivot, reset, kickboxing fundamentals here. She's 5'9 on ESPN, Andrade is 5'1. Eight inches is huge. I've got Chukagian by decision, and I, I am pretty confident in this. I, I think Andrade's style of setting traps is not going to work for her. She's not big enough. She's going to enter in at 5-1 and just kind of be down here. All right. Danny, it seems like you're very passionate about Chukagian. Would you like to risk a Malort bet on this one with me? You know I'm always in, but I've, I've heard some controversy but. that you didn't even bring Malort down to Texas. So it seems no, but like I live in Austin. There's Malort here. There's Malort in Austin. There's Malort no, in Austin. Malort I can be done if Malort car. needs to be done. Let's do it. I can get Come. Malort now. Malort. Malort bet. We'll do it in person next week. Official. I just need. We just need video evidence of it. So that's great. Okay, so we're gonna continue along here. I actually, this is my only bet of the night so far, and it's Andrade, and it is also by decision. And the reason why is I think that Andrade is going to be able to close the distance. I think the second it hits the mat, which I believe it will, she'll be able to grind it out, get the job done. She's also I, – I think she's – so the thing that worries me about Andrade usually when she goes into fights is I'm worried that she might get caught. You saw it with Wei Lee. I was always worried about it with Rose, even though Rose doesn't pack that much power. Jukakin doesn't pack any power. I think that Andrade can walk through any sort of barrage that she might throw getting close, throw power strikes that she does possess. Worst case scenario, dominate in the clinch, take it to the ground. I do like Jukakian. I just like Andrade more. The other thing, too, is Jukakian recently talked about how she's eyeing retirement. She thinks that she's going to fight out her contract, be done. She's looking forward to having her family. And when you're talking about this, telling me that you don't know when your last fight's going to be, you're kind of one foot in, one foot out, you want to raise a family, that's a recipe for death. I'm on Andrade, two units. But I'm also on a drive by decision in this game. Kobe, go ahead. I don't love that I'm going against Danny's Malort bet, but I'm also going to ride Andrade strikes. Strikes on women's is probably the gutsiest thing you can do, but that's what makes me love you and respect you, honestly. And not but as it a won't man, be but it might be pal drive. Can you imagine five one Andrade picking up five nights you can't and pal drive? I can. I can because we saw it with Rose, and it could easily happen again. Rose so, is five five. This is a big sister, little sister situation, and y'all are all on the way better sister. than Chukagian. Way, Whatever, way, way better. And half look, a foot smaller. Look, look, look. We're, we're on time crunch here. Chukagian is a, a great fighter, great type move, great using range. Doesn't matter. Uh, Drives a world class fighter. The other thing that I do want to note really quick Danny noticed that the, that not noticed, but he talked about how Andrade is moving up from straw weight to flyweight. The thing is, I don't want anyone to put too much stake into that because Andrade cutting the flyweight was because the flyweight division didn't exist. And she had to choose between 35 and 15. And you know and I know that she would die at 35 from being 5'1". So 15 is the easy cut, but they're grueling cuts. There's videos on YouTube of her trying to make it to 15, and it's like watching the most painful thing you've ever seen. So I think her at, her at 25 
honestly is a comfortable spot for her. Doesn't bother me or worry me at all. If anything, it'll pack more strength and stamina than it did before. So I'm excited She's about that. Five one. Okay, whatever you height supremacists. That's fine. Moving forward. So going on, we're finishing up here. The main event. We're excited for this one. This is the one that people have been talking about for a while. We haven't seen Brian Ortega in a very long time since his Max Holloway fight. The main event is Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie, also known as Chainsong Jung, Chansung Jung. Uh, but I've only ever called him Korean Zombie, so I also got a 16 on my English ACT, so don't bank on that pronunciation. But featherweight main event. I'm excited for this one. Shiner, I know you also are. Where are you going on this? Yeah, this is going to be a great fight. Um, I really like the backstory on this, too. Chansung Jung has a translator by the name of Jay Park, who's a K-pop star over in Korea. And he had some things to say. And when I'm saying that, Chan Sung Jung did. And Jay Park was simply the translator. What happened was, in terms of a mixed communication, Brian Ortega thought that Jay Park was throwing shots at him at the Izzy Romero fight that I was also in attendance for. Backstage, Brian Ortega went up to the civilian, Jay Park, and slapped him and said, if I ever see you again, it'll be on site. I don't like that. I also don't like that Brian Ortega's chief corner is not going to be able to make it to Abu Dhabi. Uh, this guy tested positive when getting to Las Vegas. Ortega coming off a two-year layoff uh, since his Max Holloway loss. I'm going with Korean Zombie, and I'm going by knockout. He's one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC, and I want to see him fight for a title very soon. Zombie, knockout, book it. Okay. Danny, go ahead. This one's a fun one. Brian Ortega is a guy who's trained. He's a Gracie black belt, which you know I, I put a lot of weight in. But he's not going to have Henry Gracie in his corner for the first time in his career, which worries me. He also switched camps right before this fight, which worries me. I'm on TKZ. I'm not going to front. But I'm worried being on TKZ because two years of layoff as a professional fighter, you could reinvent yourself real quick. And so we might see a different Brian Ortega than we've ever seen. I think Chan Sung Jung, I think the Korean zombie is as good of a striker as you can come across in featherweight. I think he's going to put him out early. I think I'm going to sprinkle round one and round two finish here. I'm on Korean zombie knockout. So we got back-to-back Korean zombies. I respect them both. I love Korean zombie as well but I'm not picking them here. Here's the thing. They're both great fighters, and I, and I do worry after seeing how badly he got pieced up on the feet by Max Holloway, and Korean Zombie's another phenomenal striker. The, the thing is, is I think that when you're at this level, this professional level of fighting, and you take a loss like that, and not only that, but he didn't quit for a single second, and I, I dare anyone to tell me he did, because he continued to step in there like an absolute madman. And I think he learned a lot from that fight. And I like, look, I like betting people off big losses, especially when a lot of time has passed. Because when, you're tr- when you truly want to be the best and you're at this type of level, you learn a lot from your downfalls. The other thing is I think people, because of the layoff and the loss, are forgetting. He was the first one to ever finish Frankie Edgar. I remember watching that and never being like, oh, he might sub in. He finished him. KO, punches uppercut clean as can be he subbed cub swanson a phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner no bet for me i don't love the line it's a it's a i think the line's actually a little high like brian ortega's got value i just like 
For me, it's a no bet on the, on the main event, but I think Brian Ortega is going to win. I think he's going to do it by sub, no less. I think that Korean Zombie is obviously going to have the advantage on the feet. Danny also talked about how there, there is a two-year stoppage here or a two-year layoff. And you can, like Danny said, you can reinvent yourself. So I'm excited to see what Brian Ortega brings to the table as far as being able to bring this to where he's comfortable, which is obviously the mat. But, man, he's got to squeeze like a boa constrictor. And if he gets on to the Korean zombie in any way, shape, or form, I think the night's over. So, Toby, Do you think he ahead. has a chance if this doesn't hit the mat? That's a great question. The answer is I think is that yes. the Korean zombie is leagues ahead of him in striking. I, I agree with you. I think that the Korean zombie is one of the best strikers in the division. And after watching – And he hits like a truck. For sure. And after watching Brian Ortega get pieced apart by Max Holloway, it's obviously concerning. But it comes back to the fact that I've, you know, I know we've all been watching the sport, but I've watched the sport for a long time. And, and fighters make their biggest improvements when coming off a big loss in, in that field. So, for example, he just got pieced up on the feet and it was bad and it was a bloodbath. But not only did Brian Ortega not quit for a second, but he's the type of guy who, like you said, he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu. He's a guy who loves to work, loves to grind. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and we see a totally different Brian Ortega as far as how technically is a striker. Now, can he become as good as Korean Zombie in two years? Absolutely not. But if he closes the gap and at least puts up a decent performance on the feet, it'll give him entries to the ground. You know what I mean? It'll open up different avenues to the mat. But the Korean Zombie is not lost as a grappler. I'll admit that he has a disadvantage to a guy like Brian Ortega, but he's not lost. No, but is Cub Swanson lost? I would say that Korea, the Korean zombie has an advantage over Cub Swanson. Ooh, I, see, I disagree there. I would disagree there. I think when you look at Cub Swanson, you might think he's like a little bit old. You know what I mean? He's, but Korean or Cub Swanson in his prime could grapple with the best of them. I mean, he's also got another one. He's also. I mean, got we've seen we've seen Cub Swanson most recently on a longboard drinking cranberry juice, listening to Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I'm not saying right now. I'm just saying in general. Cub Swanson, like when you look at them as fighters, Cub Swanson can grapple with the best of them. I don't know. I think it's closer than you than you might want to admit. If TKZ's on his back at any point in this fight, I'm going to be sweating pounds. Okay. And that's where I'm at too. Kobe, hearing all of that, where are you? TKZ strikes. I was on that prior and Rishi didn't walk me off that ledge. I, I didn't give the best analysis on that one. And Parker's riding with Kobe. So Parker's trying to pick up some points with riding the guy who's up, what, 21 points now? Something ridiculous. So Sounds like you got better than a 16 on your math, ACT. I did. I got 31. Thank you for getting me into college. The other thing, too, that's worth noting is I didn't finish the reading portion. So who actually knows? Because I have so many questions. Whatever. Enough bantering me about my intelligence. This is a great way to close out the show. This would cue the music for whoever's editing it. Can't be shook. Can't be stopped. We will see you all next week. And we're loving this. Actually, Danny, myself, and the other chorus will actually be seeing you guys Sunday night, which is exciting. But we're loving this. We're hoping you love this too. Go follow us again at Ankle Pick Pod. Please give us feedback. Reach out to us. Chirp China, whatever you want to do. We always appreciate it. Love it. And until next time, boys, let's get it.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.